0: The power. Welcome to Empower Me Now, a radio broadcast dedicated to radically remove all obstacles to your destiny. And now, help me to welcome our host, Dr. Faye. Well, welcome back. This is Dr. Faye. If you're just joining us, I have a guest here today that is going to inspire, motivate, and encourage many of us. This lady, as I read her book, uh, finding faith in darkness and portions of it is is so telling and it's so riveting I am serious and I do not promote a lot of authors but I'm telling you this one particular book is going to really excite you and to just just encourage many of you and I know many of you have contacted me for prayer requests and have been in sessions with us for wake up and pray and I know your stories. You will identify with Jenny Mayhart as she comes before us today, in her own way, telling a t- with a telling story of her life from from what looked like tragedy into something so beautiful that God has turned one woman's life around in such an amazing way that it will revolutionize your life as she introduces herself more than I can because she knows more about Jenny than I do, and tell you about herself, her background, where she comes from, and how she came to the point that she had to release her innermost thoughts, such personal thoughts, in this memoir called Finding Faith in Darkness. Jenny, welcome to Empower Me Now. Thank you for having me, Dr. Grayson. Well, it's so beautiful having you, and when we were able to take a look at your book and we began to uh, do some speed reading to, and went through the chapters and just saw so much of it that uh, began to attract our attention. And uh, to, to tell you the truth, I thought about so many people that I know, and I thought about parts of my own life. And especially when you you begin to thank Jesus Christ, because when that's That's my foundation, that's everything for me is my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that how He had helped you to get through this and and it is so amazing, and we hear a lot of stories, but Jenny, today, I wanted us to take this opportunity to interview you about your story, and you begin with this this wonderful um, uh, introduction of your book, but I want us to talk about, uh, in your book, but I want us to talk about you and just tell our audience how you came to write this book. It was after, it was
1: years after I became paralyzed and I was finally living on my own independently in a house. And I just, I have caregivers that have to get, get me up and dressed and going throughout the day. And I would just tell them bits and pieces of what I'd gone through, not only in my childhood, but after I became paralyzed and then after I my faith grew and I, I found God. And I just were telling a lot of little bits and pieces. And it was years later that they, they kept telling me, people kept telling me, I need to write a book cause it's an inspirational book. And I, at the point, I wasn't. I wasn't a writer, so I really didn't know how to write a book. I would never written a book, and so it finally, you know, it, it touched me. I wanted to write a book. I just didn't know how. And I, I think that just God just finally touched me, and I finally put it all together and uh, to hopefully inspire others to uh, find their way.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about the moment that led to your paralysis because it did, you, you didn't, you weren't born. In a wheelchair, so let's talk a little bit about that um, because we really want to get the highlights of the book without revealing every revealing all the details, but to get the highlights of it because it is an excellent presentation. But your personal story in growing up, so that our audiences can identify with your journey. Where where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in California, San Fernando Valley. Uh, my mom had had bipolar disorder. My oh. dad had died when I was three. Was your mom bipolar so, all of all of your life? Yes. And so it was just, and I had a brother that was four years older than me. So she, throughout my years up to up until about sixteen, she was in and out of hospital because she'd get unstable, and it would put us in the foster homes. And in L.A., the foster homes weren't that great. We were always placed in separate foster homes. So I was, there was some abuse going on between the other foster kids and everything like that. And it was just the, the point of not being able to know when it was going to happen. So it, it was really unpredictable. So you're kind of always on alarm of when, you know, the police showed up at the house. Okay, it's time to go into, we don't know what happened, time to go into foster home. So it was really a life of n- no control. And then with my mom having the bipolar disorder, even though she was on medication, she would go through periods of she'd be fine, and then the little thing would, you know, get her off, and she'd start yelling, screaming, throwing things. And it was, so it was a lot of walking on pins and needles, I'd say. And so there was no, then there was no, she didn't really know how to show any attention, show any uh, personal uh, love for us. She did it by gifts or by, you know, buying things, but there was no tucking in the bed. There was no kiss goodnight. There was, you know, no kind of affection or you no know, bondage between um, and my mom my brother and any of us. So not having that and then just always being on pins and needles, it was just a really stressful childhood as I grew up.
0: So it was difficult being a child because you... Had no normalcy whatsoever. You were from foster home to foster home. You're in a system that had no compassion, obviously, and right. your, you and your brother were separated in the foster care system. And so you're trying to find your identity as a child. So and in, in, and when you don't have any structure, that certainly. Um, interferes with your ability to n- even know what a real family is supposed to be like. So, right. it, as you were growing up, inside of the foster system, were you allowed to see your mom at all?
1: Yeah, we weren't in there. We were only in there while my mom was stable, so it'd be sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a month, and you know it all depends on the period of time. But, Dependent on how long she was in the hospital, we always returned back to her in a period of time. But it was just the fact of not knowing when it was going to happen, mm-hmm. and then, and it was and so growing up that way, I didn't know how to talk about how I felt. You know, like kids go to their parents, oh my, this hurts. Can you, you know, kiss it and yeah, have hugs and everything like that. So I didn't know how to talk to people about what was going on in my life. And my brother, he became abusive to me to get his anger out. My mom was taking out on him, so it was going on me. And I was was the primary caregiver or the control of everything, even as a young child. So I've always been kind of like the caregiver, making sure my mom was okay, even as I got older. I made sure that things went around that would set her off or something like that. So I was always the caregiver, so I never really got to have anyone to know what it was like to be taken care of. So I held any frustrations or emotions in, and everyone knows you can't hold everything in without something happening. Right.
0: Absolutely, because if you don't have some type of release, it will explode somewhere. It has to come somewhere. out. All right. So I was, I was really depressed. I was really going through a lot of depression
1: as a child. And, I mean, I, I looked normal. I seemed normal. I played sports. I just didn't, there was no talking. And a lot of the teachers knew, and they would try to, they'd sit me down and want me to talk. And so many times I just wanted to say, I wanted to say what, what I needed to, like, yes, I need to talk. I need to tell you. But just getting those few words out of saying, Yes, I want to talk to you they just wouldn't come out. It was just like a barrier. There was just a wall that I built so high up that it just wouldn't go through. And so I ended up as a child I had a lot of um stomach problems, I had migraines, I had um, I had I ended up having uh acid reflex at a young age. I I had uh nightmares so it came out in, in those ways, and
0: that was just as a young child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you mentioned in your book that sometimes getting away, and you know, was a great, kind of a nice way to get away from your mom and the anxiety that would set her off. And that after a couple of weeks that you were actually ready to go back home, do you remember right. feeling that feeling? even though you knew it was stressful, you knew you had no nurturing there, but yet you wanted to, to go back. Right. I mean, she was never abusive, that's the thing.
1: It was more emotional abuse than physical abuse, which I think is sometimes worse than physical and abuse. Absolutely, because, absolutely. But she was still my mom. She was the only only family I had, that she was all I had. So even though at the beginning it was nice to get away, but then after a while it was like I missed being home, I missed being with my mom, and she got better. And when she was better, she was great, she was nice, she was happy, she'd do things, and it was like a normal environment. But then it snap, all of a sudden it changed, and then it was just like, okay, here we go again. But it was still, like I wanted to run away several times. But I, the reason I didn't run away is I was just scared afraid that when I got home, what was going to happen when I got home. But I, I, I didn't have, like, a friend that I, I didn't have close friends that I could go and hang out with or anything like that. So it was basically she was all I had. So after a while of being away from her, I realized, you no, know, I needed, I wanted to be with her, even though it wasn't the best situation.
0: Yeah. You know, I I believe that that mother-child bond is still the strongest bond on this earth because I did part of my uh, nutrition and dietetic internship at the Children's Hospital, and there was an abused child who came in, a toddler, uh, just totally black and blue, and that child woke up screaming for mommy and daddy, for mommy, actually, And I learned in that, I said, wow, even though this is the woman who physically abused her, we stood around the nurse's station just kind of teary, like, wow, she's still crying for her, the one who Mm -hmm. abused her. And I realized in that moment that that had to be the strongest bond that God made on this earth, that regardless of how you're treated as a child by your mom, you came out of that womb and that attachment doesn't dissipate because that person doesn't know how to treat you. You mentioned wanting to run away so many times that you were afraid of what would happen. I mean, most children, you know, think about that in in difficult situations, something much less than what you were going through. Yeah. And so from 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 birth until 18 years of age, you were in a system You really didn't know who you were. You had no friends. You had nowhere to really go and and trust. You didn't trust your teachers, obviously, because you didn't know that it was a safe place. And so your, in my view, your your, uh, trust for adults was not there because every adult that you had had from your birth, you know, many kids look at when when dad leaves, even if he passes away or mom leaves, that that's a form of abandonment. I don't have my dad with me. And now I don't have my mom, even though she's physically here. She's not really here for me. And then... Yeah,
1: here, trust was a big issue
0: Yeah. in my life.
1: Yeah. I, I really couldn't... I mean, I had the friends mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I had friends, but I, I didn't, you know, hang out like... You see, teens staying at their friends' house and hanging out, talking about sure. boys, and talking about this and everything like that. It was nothing like that. There was, there was no. I mean, I was a really good kid because I really had to take care of myself and take care of. You know, I grew up really fast. So, yeah. but trust was was one of the hardest things that I had to overcome in mm-hmm. in my life. Is mm-hmm. trusting others.
0: hmm So when you when you turned eighteen. Yeah, that was that was
1: hard because my, my 18th birthday is when my mom uh, basically kicked me out to live with one of my friends from my uh, softball team who, who was a friend, but it wasn't the kind of friend that I'd want to stay with. But, yeah, it was my 18th birthday that she kicked me out to live with a friend, and that was hard because she never explained why. She never told me why. It was just like, You know, I called her mom and she's willing to take you. And so I had to finish the school year. And I really, and the crazy thing about it was with my mom is that she would do these really bad, hurtful things. Mm -hmm. And then it was, she acted like it wasn't anything and that I shouldn't be upset about it because she would call the house later wanting to talk to me. And when I didn't want to talk to her because I'm upset with her, she couldn't understand why that I'd be upset with her that it was no big deal. And having that where you can't be mad at her, you can't be, you know, you have to hold your emotions in because she just thinks that she did nothing wrong. And not knowing knowing what you did or what you didn't do right, it makes you wonder, you know, about yourself. You know, what did I do so bad? that she didn't want me anymore. You know what and then the not knowing, it just hits holds on to you
0: right. So the not not knowing what you did wrong. I mean that it it you're put in a position of always having um to deal with this silence, this silent uh, pain that's going on emotionally and mentally. Because the nature right. of you the don't bipolar want to form and you don't
1: want to form a bond with anyone because you don't want to be hurt again.
0: Of course. But the nature of so a bipolar person is that they don't is they you know, you're dealing with two pers- you're dealing with this person who doesn't even many times they don't even remember what they said or did. Um Well she
1: knew she 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 had a, a bipolar, there's different types of bipolars and her bipolar okay. had a schizophrenic side to it. Mm-hmm. But she she knew, but from what, when I started talking to my therapist um, to understand to understand exactly why I mean for a child to go through life and not be hugged, not be kissed goodnight, not be told I love you, and you're 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 thinking you know what is what did I what what did I do wrong? Why didn't she love me? Why didn't she do this to me? You know, what did I do wrong? Rather. Rather, it's not. I, I didn't. I finally realized. I don't know how many 30 years later that it wasn't anything I did. It was the fact that she was not able to because I knew her past. She went through a lot of abuse and different things. That from her, she wasn't capable of love. Right. And that when I when I finally understood that it wasn't about what I did wrong or what I didn't do, it was the fact that she wasn't capable of of giving that love out. And once I was able to realize that, it hit me, like, my eyes opened up. I'm like, okay, so it wasn't anything I did wrong. And so that's, that was a big change in, in the way that I was able to perceive my life.
0: Yeah, 30, 30 years later. But it yeah, became, yeah years you know, and that's a blessing because it it did come. Because for many people who have gone through abusive situations, they just pass it on. You know because we can't right. give away what we don't possess. if we've been abused, hurt people, hurt people, it is a very it is a truth and if we don't get healed, if we don't get free and delivered, then we continue to uh, walk through life with those same pains and those same uh, emotions um, that are that are so housed up within us and so um, in that place of not trusting and not having good and healthy relationships. That God intended right. for us to have because we did not get healed and did not get free. So at the age of eighteen, you're you're thrust out into a friend's house, friends that you really, you know, you're, you know you're still not in a safe place. But you were still in high school, right? hmm Yeah, I had not
1: graduated. I was born in April, so I from April all the way till June, I was, I was still in high school, and I had no. I mean, I had been working during the summers and I had money in the savings account, but it was like, what was I going to do when I turned 18? I mean, where was I going to go? I couldn't pay for college. I couldn't live on my own, and that's when it happened that there was. I saw the recruiters at, the school, at my high school, and that was when I decided to go into the military, and I chose the Air Force. Yeah.
0: So your life. And that was
1: basically. That was basically. My, it was it was a it was my only way out, but it was also a good way out. I mean, it wasn't like I was on the streets, right? So I was being taken care of, and I was going to get an education, and I was I, I was going to get in the medical field, which I loved medicine. I always loved medicine, so I thought of it as finally my a, a new beginning for me is what I felt it was going to be, and it was. It was a really it was a really good experience. I I can't really put that down, so. I, I had a good time. I made some good friends. I did some laughing, and I was able to, you know, get away from the environment that I was in. So it, it was a good, it was a good thing.
0: Yeah, the military is is still a good thing for many different people. It's not for everyone, but it certainly yeah. is for many people. And I strongly support recruiters uh, for the military as well as our. Military system in our country I I just thank God for them So you're you're now in the Air Force And you are rediscovering a whole new world There's a new chapter that has emerged It's a world that you never knew before I wanted you to tell us Now I know you went through basic training And was that like three months of training uh, down in yeah, tech. Three months of tech school, those three, three months, it was months. of tech school, okay. Tech school for my job. Yeah, it was
1: only six weeks of basic training back oh. then, and then I was a I was a medical lab technician, okay. and you know I, I wrote I wrote write a lot more in my in my book Finding Face in Darkness, but there's I, it was a full year and a half of tech training for a medical lab technician. Okay. And it was for that particular job. And so, that 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 was hard. But I had good friends, good people around me that uh, made it a lot easier.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I still, after the tech school training, I was sent to my permanent base station at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland. Okay. And then I was back in a place, an environment that I didn't know anyone, and I I had trouble making friends because I didn't have that communication. I didn't really have that Mm -hmm. way of, I I wasn't taught that or I wasn't in that environment. So I got to the point where uh, I was alone again and I was trying to do whatever I could to stay busy, Mm -hmm. but the depression started building and reminders of my past that I hadn't dealt with and just things started coming back and I started uh, dealing with depression and things like that. So uh, I was seeing a therapist, but um, I'm not going to get totally into it. But I ended up uh, getting medically discharged, and I was, that's when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression and PTSD. So.
0: so the military turned out to be a place where you could receive the counseling and the therapy that you had been missing for so many years. Well, I was they medically discharged me,
1: mm-hmm. and so I went, I went to um, I was at a VA I was at a VA hospital. And okay, I mean, not, that's a whole different story. But, uh, you're, yeah, you're breaking up there,
0: Jenny. Jenny, your, your uh, service is breaking up there a little bit, and I know you're oh, on a is. cell phone. Yeah, I know you're on a cell phone, and sometimes it's it just does that. You can turn your head in one direction, and sometimes it will just do that. Is that better? Um, Let's continue to talk.
1: Okay. But the the military, that was a a whole different direction.
0: No, it's it's really cracking up there now. How's that? Is that any better? Much better. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. You
1: guys
0: understand. Right. You guys understand. I want to talk to our audience in just a moment. You guys understand the world moves by cell phones. And so when we do these interviews, many of our guests and co-hosts are on cell phones. And so you understand so just be patient we got it back on course here because i want you to hear a story i want you to hear Jenny's story because it it is such a powerful testimony of the goodness and the, the the love of god how in spite of our backgrounds in spite of the tragic family type of situation regardless of what we've gone through he's able to redeem those times and give us a healthy outlook on life and you may be in a place right now that you can identify with what Jenny is talking about. Maybe you're, you're going through the foster uh, care system right now and it's not a pleasant one. Not every foster home is, is, a negative, uh, is a negative environment. Some are very healthy. I have friends who are foster parents, and they are wonderful foster parents. But you may be in an environment right now and you just happen across this broadcast We want you to know that Jesus Christ can take you through anything, even if your mom is not emotionally or physically available or your dad's not there. Jesus Christ is there for you. So I want you to listen with the intent that God is speaking to you through Jenny to help you to get to your next chapter in life because she's written this book, Finding Faith in Darkness. And it is a powerful memoir of her life, her story, her intimate moments, and how God took tragedy and turned it into triumph for one woman. And he can do the same thing for you. She felt isolated and alone many times, which made her depression worse. She went to the military, then was uh, given a medical discharge. She was seeking her dream of being, uh, you know, working in the medical field. And she chose the Air Force as a way of escape, so to, so to speak, but it became a stepping stone to something even more. So, Jenny, if you will take us from um, being discharged from the military, moving forward with your life. I know you went through uh, other situations where you had lived with other people and the situations were not so pleasant, abuse was involved, um, you know, and several things that had happened. Tell us, um, where do we pick up from there?
1: Wow, that's a good question, because so much has happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, oh, it was,
0: uh, I guess, do
1: you want to, well, let me say this.
0: You've come out of the military. You've been discharged. Yeah, but growing okay, up,
1: I, mm-hmm. well, I just want to say that the odd thing that I think of now, growing up, uh, I was never, religion was never in my, in the spoke about. My mom grew up in a Catholic school where she dealt with a lot of abuse. So there was I had never read a Bible, and she really didn't want religion in any field. But I felt curious, but I never knew what to do to find God or anything. And there was a plaque that was in my room that was a little thing that said, uh, don't worry, God isn't finished with you yet. Mm-hmm. And I would always during these troubled times, I'd always look at that and I'd be like, okay, he's not finished with me yet. So when is it going to, you know, when is he going to take hold? And then there was also a, 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 a footprints that I'm sure many people have read with God, you know, walking side by side in the sand. And then during the most troubled times, there's only one set of footprints. And I never understood that when I read it, but now that I've gotten to know God and, and Jesus, and I, I, I fully understand. And I, I think back, and I'm like, how could I not have understood that? But when you don't have God or any kind of religion in your life, you don't know. And it's like people have asked me, you know, from what I went through, and now, you know, am I angry about God? And I'm like, I can't be angry at him when I didn't know him. You know, I didn't know to go to him. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if you can't be angry at someone that you don't know about blame so you know it's it's difficult for people to understand when you don't have any kind of religion or aspect of god or talking about who how much jesus has done for us you know and to know not know that it, it's a different aspect of your life that that changes when you come to understand and know him and and unfortunately you know it, it happened after a, a tragedy, but it turned into the, the the biggest change in my life that saved me mm-hmm. and i mean to so that's that's the biggest chapter that that was my my biggest downfall was my biggest you know change in my life
0: mm-hmm. you know um You're absolutely correct, because not having a foundation of Jesus Christ, which is another excellent point, you know, where do kids turn to? But this is the reason we do these type of broadcasts, Empower Me Now, to motivate, inspire, and transform lives, to help people to see that they, too, can gain the victory in spite of your upbringing, in spite of not having this Christian environment, this loving environment, that there's a loving God. In spite of not having parents who are available for you, there is a God who's available for you because we have people of all ages who, who are on the Internet, who are listening to um, uh, broadcasts, who are listening to music, and we upload to iTunes and to YouTube and to Facebook, to, to the world. So we don't know. But if you're out there and you're a child and you're feeling like nobody loves you and nobody cares, You're a teenager or even an adult, but I want you to know that you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you right where you are. You don't have to continue to live in a mindset that you are absent from love, that love is absent from you. You have access to love all of the time, and we want you to be aware that all you have to do is say, Lord, I need your presence, I need your love. Even if you don't feel as though you're a Christian, let me tell you, we were all in that same place. Mm-hmm. We had to ask him to come in. We had to ask him to be our Lord, to be our Savior. We're talking to Jenny Mayer, who is an, an, an author and a, definitely a um, prolific speaker concerning her life, her story, her journey, how God has taken one woman and brought her to a place To realize that she could be free And it took her 30 years It took 30 years, not her It took 30 years for her to realize It was not her fault The abuse was not her fault It was not because of anything that she had done Some of you may be carrying guilt right now And you're thinking that it's all your fault You may be married And you think that that bad abusive relationship That you were in was your fault God wants you to know That it was not your fault that you can be healed and you can be free and you can be delivered and you can have a productive life, and that He wants to He wants to show you His love, He wants to show you His mercy and His grace, and it's available to you today. All you have to do is just ask Him. Jenny, I'm um, to Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're well. Sorry. Also, the the
1: big part of my life, I mean, growing up, and I thought my biggest problem was feeling alone. I felt so alone and empty inside. I mean, I went to studying to get rid of the emotional pain, to draw physical pain. And even as I got older, because I was never able to bond with the relationship or with people, and I just, that feeling of alone and not able to connect with anyone was was the hardest because I felt when you feel so alone, it's, it's like you have no one to talk to, no one to be around and i was able to after once i started learning about god and and jesus and faith it was like he was there for me and i realized that accepting jesus into my heart and and the other hard part was realizing that he he was willing to forgive me of all my sins. I mean, I stole, I I did bad things. I mean, I didn't kill people or anything, but just knowing that just by asking him to forgive me of my sins, he just forgave me. And from everything I went through as a child and growing up, I had never thought, I just couldn't believe that it was that easy, that just asking for forgiveness, he was willing to, to do that for me. And I didn't think I was deserving of it. So even after I found God and I started and I was believing and having faith in him, it still took years to get that belief that he was that he was willing to forgive me of my sins just like that. And being trusting in him and having faith that he would take care of me no matter what situation I was in and that I wasn't alone anymore. It was like I when I had troubles and I was faced with problems with a caregiver not showing up or you know, a situation, and I would pray, and I would just trust in that faith that no matter what, he would take care of me. It would be taken care of. It might not be the exact way I want at that time, but I had to trust that it was the right way because I had faith in him, and it always turned out, and because of that, continued my faith continued to grow so that spiritually I was able to grow so that I no longer thought of the glass being half empty. I always thought the glass being half full, That even when terrible things happen, and a car accident I was in or other things, I would think of more, well, I was in a car accident, but nobody got hurt. But, you know, it could have been worse. This could have happened, you know. And and so you think of the positive ways that it could have happened and just have trust in him and think of the way, you know, I could, this could have been worse or, or you know, there's little situations that people don't realize that they don't look at. You know, just making a right turn instead of a left turn and then realize that if you would have made that right turn, you could have been in an accident. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And people don't really want to accept that. They want to think, oh, it was just by chance, or I just happened to do that. But it's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it just it's just overwhelming when you have that in you and not feeling that alone anymore because he's in your heart. Mm-hmm.
0: Jenny, you're 20 years old. You buy a house. You're living in a quiet cul-de-sac, and something began to happen. Here you are alone in this house, and you're experiencing uh, some emotions from the past. Everything that you've known in life has been based on the foster care system, what you experienced inside of the military, what you were experiencing, um, the abuse that you experienced from people that you trusted, and or you, you were not, not so much trusted but that you were in a position where you had to live with these people and boundaries were crossed by the husband. So all of these things and your relationship with society, the police officers, the society as a whole is totally
1: distorted
0: mm. because you don't know any, you you don't, in your mind, in your mind, there is still no safe place. So you're right. lonely and it, and sort of desperate emotionally. So you're calling the suicide hot, hotline, your book states out of, you know, just the need to talk to somebody. And then what happens? Tell us that story, and then we'll oh tell God. people how to get in touch with you and how to get more of this story on finding faith in darkness. Because as it unfolds, mm-hmm. it unfolds it what... like a lifetime movie, and I want people right. to get the feel of it. That was, the well darkest, the that
1: was some of the darkest moments of my of the book, but yeah, I I just wanted to call because I had nobody to talk to and dealing with the you know, attempted sexual abuse of my friend's husband and and just the the life of being alone and everything I've gone through, and I just needed someone to talk to, and and I called the suicide hotline to talk, and they turned it around thinking it was something bigger, and I ended up just, you know, hanging up the phone. I just decided, it was late at night, so I just decided to go for a walk outside and just to clear the air, and and next thing I knew, I saw police were coming to my house, and, you know, I already had the fear of police just from growing up, from, you know, dealing with different situations, Mm -hmm. and I called the, the hotline back, and I told them, you know, I'm fine, I'm not suicidal, you know, just leave me alone, and they just automatically just said, so you're going to kill a cop, and I was just like flabbergasted, acid, I was like, no, I I didn't say that, Mm -hmm. and they turned it into, it ended up being this whole big situation, they had guns drawn on me, they came to my house and drew guns, and, and had my house surrounded, and I was at the point where, you know, I was just willing to, wanting them to just end my life, and just, and it got to the point where uh, they were willing. Really, they were. They had dogs. They had so many police cars shining their lights on, on my garage, and they were willing to bring in SWAT. And I uh, grabbed the fire extinguisher in my garage, and I went to spray it. And the, the officer shot me and in the mouth. Was a 45, uh-huh. point. and I fell to the ground. I didn't even know I was shot because I didn't feel it. But I fell to the ground. There's blood. I thought, saw dripping out of my mouth, and they handcuffed me, and. Carried me outside, put me on my back, and I couldn't. I couldn't. I was choking on my own blood.
0: They, they handcuffed. And, they handcuffed someone they had shot.
1: Yeah, in the in the, in the mouth, and and so then they found, they put me on my stomach, and all I felt was the grass sticking up at the bottom of my chin, where I found out later was where the bullet came out. It went in my mouth and down at an angle that it went out through my left side of my jaw so that side of my jaw was basically blown away and I was it ended up being sent through a helicopter to a trauma center where i had um my jaw was i had a halo around my jaw i had plates in it i had to be i had my i had my intubation intubated into my throat so that they, i could breathe and they ended up charging me with attempted murder and assault of a police officer. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, because they, when I finally got out of the hospital, I was still, I was in, in jail with still the halo I couldn't eat except for uh, little um, mushed up peaches and stuff. And they put me at $150,000 bond. And, you know, I'm, I was... Uh, 21 at the time, and so you know I couldn't bring up something, so I ended up being in jail uh, through that through that experience, and you know that that's a whole nother story of what I went through in jail. But uh, it was just, I mean, and it's something that it's a it's a there's there's still shrapnel in my jaw. There's I you know I have a, a lifetime deformity. You know I had no gum or anything on that side of my mouth and so it's something that it's always there so it's it's always a reminder but just the thought of what I went through and the way it was handled and what they the experience I had in in prison and it just that was another traumatic time
0: in my life that so well I know our audience will want to know well what happened (laughs) with with what happened with the person? This this distorted your your call that that uh, totally
1: uh, from, from
0: your story. They, they, up, they made it up. They made it up. Yeah, they they made it up. They ended up when they got
1: close to trial, they said that they lost the tape, and they ended up we uh, we we they dropped the charges down to misdemeanor assault deferred judgment meaning after my parole was over it'd be put to a misdemeanor. They put me on six years probation and the officers the officer that shot me they were fined and the sergeant and the captain they were all just fined uh, six hundred or some dollars and I was I got out of jail after six months of being in there and and then so then, then I had to, you know, go I had six Major surgeries on my jaw. And it's still, you know, not perfectly right, but it's where it is. So it's just, you know, that's another thing that is that was now, you know, having to deal with alone. Because my mom never visited me in prison. It was, and when I got out, I ended up having to go into the mental hospital where I stayed there for a year, just to be getting through everything.
0: Right. Right. Wow. What an amazing woman, but more uh, and an amazing story, but more an amazing woman here with us, Jenny Mayer, who has come forth with her memoirs and her story, her life journey, and how you you that are listening, you and someone you know can be tremendously blessed by buying a copy of this book and she's going to tell us how to get a copy, and it is so relatable it may not be. To for You may not identify with every bit of her experience, but I promise you there will be some area in this book because it is filled with so much emotion and so many different types of experiences that it will touch many, many, many lives. So I want you to make sure that you make it your business to go over and get a copy of her book today. And begin to read it, begin to share it with the other people that you know. Um, invite them to get a copy because Jenny is going to give you an opportunity right now to get a copy of her book as she brings back some closing remarks for us today concerning finding faith in darkness. Jenny, did you know, I mean, there's a scripture in Job that says God dwells in the darkness. Many times there is dark places in our lives and we think God has left us. Mm -hmm. When God is right there with us. So you you guys that are listening, you may be walking through something that's totally dark right now, and you don't know about your future, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Mm -hmm. and lean not into your own understanding. In all of our ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. I believe that God is for us and not against us. I believe that he wants to do you good and make you happy. I believe that he has a benefit package that far outweighs any system of this world, that he wants to heal us, he wants to deliver us, he wants to make us free. Jenny's story is a story of tragedy, but it's also a story of triumph and victory. It's a story of how Jesus came and delivered her, even when she didn't even have a relationship with him growing up. But he has turned her life around, and he can turn yours around as well. Jenny, any closing remarks, and then your contact information and how we can buy the book. Well, we didn't
1: even get into about me being paralyzed and how I got paralyzed. Oh, yeah, please,
0: please, please.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's another whole life, life part of my, that,
0: well, and we cannot leave, season. we cannot go off without that one. So you have the mic, sister.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, I mean, it was during another darkest moment that I felt alone. My mom had disowned me again, and I finally I felt suicidal. And I, I finally wanted to end all the pain, all the feelings that I had been feeling for so long that I uh, attempted suicide by overdosing. And it was uh, from that attempt that um, I ended up paralyzed from from the neck down, a quadriplegic. And But when I was revived in the hospital days later, um, I knew that from waking up because the from the overdose, it was so, so much that it would have killed anyone, that I knew at the moment that I lived that God had saved me for a reason. I didn't know why. I didn't understand, but I knew got it saved me for a reason. And I mean, I still I mean, it was struggle going from, you know, not being able to move only only my head back and forth and not being able to move anything and just going through all the rehab and I mean, I, I went through so many ups and downs with with no support you know, by myself and then going to the VA going through the nursing home where I dealt with abuse and neglect with pressure sores and infections, and, and, you know, all that, all that that I went through. But it was through that, that I was able to, that someone reached out to me to invite me to go to church. And it was through that, that I finally felt accepted and loved by the people around me. And that, that was a big turning point. And I'm not saying that my life changed in an instant that all of a sudden everything was good. I mean, I still dealt with a lot of you know, ups and downs, and a lot of abuse, and, and yelling, and screaming, but I was, that's where I finally was getting a connection with God, and I I was 36, and I was embarrassed to not know anything, I mean, all I thought Noah's Ark was like a kid's the Ark, you know, going through the flooding with two animals, mm-hmm. so I was embarrassed to go to anyone to ask questions, because I was so old, and not knowing anyone, mm-hmm. and... I didn't know what the different books were. I didn't know what different religions were. I didn't know anything. And it was just going to church, and I happened, well, I didn't have a bond. God brought me an uh, intern where I went to a different hospital, and I finally started feeling comfortable, and she explained a lot to me, and I started reading, and I started learning more, and, it, and it, as the time it grew. And so that, I mean, I that was 10 years ago, and it's only been 10 years, and my faith has grown so strong. And from 10 years ago, people ask me, you know, aren't you mad because you're in a wheelchair and, you, you know, you're not walking? Right? And I'm and I'm like, no, that's a reminder of where I was. It's a reminder of where I was and how far I've come. Mm-hmm. Because where I, where I remember where I was and how I felt and even when I first got paralyzed, I mean, I'm at a point where I can pretty much take care of myself. My arms move. I'm happy. I paint. I love painting. That's an escape. I'm going to school. I mean, I'm doing all the things that I love doing, and I'm happy to get up in the morning, and I just feel the connection and love that God has for me and that He's drawing me to, you know, help other people by finding faith in darkness, and it was through the dark moments that I did find my faith, and that's the reason that I wanted to write this book, was to reach out to others who were in that situation that I have been in, and I hope that it's reading it they can see that there is love and hope through God and Christ and that He is there for everyone.
0: Absolutely. And very well said. And thank you so much, Jenny, for offering that piece because people need to know how did you end up in the wheelchair and that, you know, even through that that God has graciously called you to to use your story to minister to others. And each of you who are listening, you have your own story. And it may be very difficult and challenging for you right now while you're going through it, but God will take that tragedy, he will take that story, and make it a message so that someone else can benefit and grow. And I I always remember this scripture, Jenny, is that there is no temptation that has taken us but such such as is common to man but he will with the temptation make a way out that we may be able to bear it and another one is think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you knowing this that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren everybody has a story everybody who that walks this path called life on earth, has a story, has a testimony. Jenny has been called of God to share hers in this book called Finding Faith in Darkness. And you've been listening to her today as she shares, and you can tell it's authentic, extremely transparent, and with great compassion coming through her voice for others who may be experiencing the same thing that you can get a, get this tool in your hand. I believe that there are tools that God is making available to us in this technological age that we can take advantage of. Put this, put this book in your tool chest and use it as a tool that you can go to and find encouragement and inspiration for what you're going through, whatever it is in your life today. Jenny, how can we get a copy of this book? Well, I have a website. It's
1: www.themindbodyandspirit.net and they're all word, words and through the website you can purchase it but it's also on Amazon mm-hmm. and so just looking up finding faith in darkness it's it's easy to find but yeah the mind body, and is the website that you, it, I tell a little bit about myself and it has where you purchase it and it has a little bit of information out there about me and, and uh, things that I've gone through and things different things
0: <laughs> yeah so i want you guys to take this down it's the mind body and spirit okay? .net. net go there and get a copy of that book today and make it your business to share it with others share the link with others that they, too, can get a copy of this book. Not only do we want to share the message, we also want to support Christian authors that are out here making a difference in the world. This is a love story of one woman's journey when she found the love of her life, Jesus Christ, through everything Go ahead. amen? Through everything she's gone through, She now knows Him, which is our our quest. That's that's what every, each of our lives we've been created to love Him, to worship Him, to serve Him.
1: And now I have, now I have a new family. I have all my brothers and sisters at my church, and Mm -hmm. I, the ultimate Father, Mm -hmm. which you can't have a better Father than God. Oh, so now I have, yeah. Now he gave me a better family than so. I'm thankful for that.
0: Yes. That is so true. I'm glad you added that because it is so true. Those of you who don't have that that particular family, once God directs you to a a faith-based community. I'm not saying just any place, but there's a place in your location where he can bring you into, and you can feel that camaraderie, that communion, that fellowship with him among his people. We, on our end, Jenny, we offer a multimedia ministry because there's so many people all over the world who can't get to a local church or who don't have a local church home. So we serve that every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. East Coast time. We're doing uh, Facebook Live, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Faye Live, We host church at 11 a.m. East Coast time, and then on Wednesday evenings we do 9 o'clock. We have Bible class, and every weekday morning we're doing prayer because we're reaching people where they are in in the world of technology. We've been doing this since 2006. We are promoting Jenny's book through those particular outlets and helping to get the word out. We want the word out that can inspire and change lives. So go over to the body and spirit dot net. The mind body and spirit dot net. And Jenny is a poster child for how you can go through hell and get some keys to the kingdom.
1: Yes. And
0: Jenny, we are so glad you were here today. Thank you for sharing your time, your faith, your story. You have truly inspired me. And I know you will continue to inspire many others around the world. We look forward to hearing more from you, and we'll be tracking you online. Thank you so much for having me. uh, It has truly been a blessing. Until next time, I want to thank Jenny for being with us, and I want to thank you for being with us on another Empower Me Now with Dr. Faye.